Cool. So uh, we started last week a new series uh, on um, the presence of heaven or the kingdom of God. Uh, wanting to really understand what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the kingdom. Um, his, his central message, if you look at uh, the phrase that was used uh, in Jesus' sermons and teaching more than almost anything... Uh, was the, was about the kingdom of God. Uh, all the stuff that we understand about the cross, uh, much of that is understood as he sort of hinted at it and pointed towards it and, and looked at it. But the, the bulk of his teaching was about the kingdom of God. And so we're wrestling uh, around what that means. And, and part of how we're doing that is looking at a book by a guy named Dallas Willard uh, called The Divine Conspiracy. And we introduced that uh, last week. Uh, I have a copy of it right here. I would just strongly encourage you to even to pick it up on Amazon or whatever and read through it. It's a, it's a really strong uh, piece of literature. Uh, what Dallas Willard has is kind of like a C.S. Lewis-like ability to take fairly complex theological ideas and, and, and speak them in a way that is um, really simple and really clear. Um, and that's sort of what C.S. Lewis does. Is he breaks it, things right down. And, and Dallas Willard does the same on the teaching of the kingdom. And in particular, the book is based around looking at uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, through um, on into the rest of the Beatitudes. And so it's just a really, really, uh, really good book. Strongly encourage you to read it. Very formative for me and uh, <clears throat> a really helpful book. Um, what he does in that, in part, in the book, in terms of even introducing the book and why he felt like it was important to write it, is to ask some simple questions about the church in North America and where we're at. And one of the questions that he asks is, why are we in North America able to sort of claim consistent conversion growth and maybe only slightly statistical um, declines overall in terms of uh, the way the church is growing? And we see that statistically. I don't have charts and graphs for you there, but the church is still steadily in sort of a 1% a year decline in terms of attendance, but somehow, even with only a slight statistical decline in attendance, which obviously adds up over the years, um, our influence in culture is diminishing actually at a much faster rate. Our influence on on the world and, and the way it works, the the government, and I'm not saying that Christians uh, should be focused on the government or lobbying as our way of having influence, but our, our, folk, our impact on culture, our impact on our friends, all of that, it's, it's, it's more in decline. The church is basically a little bit more marginalized than it, than it has been in the past. It's, it's packed into a corner. Its voice is quieter in the culture than it was before. There's something about us that is just not uh, quite firing on all cylinders. And that's what he's pointing out. Um, and what he talks about is, in terms of his theory, and this is just summation from last week, is he talks about you know how our Gospels, uh, in the whole spectrum of the church, from the uh, conservative right to the... Uh, now I've got to check my left and right again. No, the, this is different here. It's just so backwards. It's just so crazy. The fairly liberal uh, left and the, and the conservative right, uh, there's a there's an an emphasis on the idea of how we manage and deal with sin and brokenness in the world. And if you go to the far left, you see that that emphasis is on social justice, on making an impact in terms of uh, politics, advocacy, uh, international development, care for the poor, and all of that. And that is absolutely 100% a part of Jesus' message to the world. His believers are supposed to be 
doing that work. Absolutely, 100% affirmation of that. And over here on the right, there's a focus on mostly uh, the eternals, forgiveness of sins, acceptance, and the gift of eternal life, right? Like those are, that's the emphasis. You, you get saved, you raise your hand in a meeting, and you go to, to heaven. Ultimately, you're saved from condemnation and sin and guilt, and that is absolutely 100% a part of the gospel that we absolutely affirm. Now, if you look at the church in terms of the spectrum, there would be some that would have an emphasis over here that doesn't the, acknowledge the importance of what is over here. And at one other extreme, there's uh, the, the, the extreme liberal parts of the church that would acknowledge the importance of this uh, part over here and not acknowledge or be connected with what's over here. Right, so, But we want to say we want to embrace the whole gospel and the whole mission of God that we're called to. But there's something that's kind of missing in that zone in the center. Um, and the thing is, what we have is, is really good. Like, that's really, really good to be focused on eternal life. And it's really, really good to be focused on social justice. But there's just a, a missing part in the middle could there possibly be even more than just sin management to the gospel? The management of brokenness in the world. Could there be more than that? And of course what we would say is, yes there is. There is something about abundant life that we are meant to experience in the here and now. There is something about the incoming and inflowing of the kingdom of God and connection with the kingdom of God that we are meant to walk in in the here and now. And that's sort of what the book is looking at. What did Jesus talk and teach about life? What did Jesus talk about, teach, and teach about life? And we experienced amazing life in, in some respects. Like in, I mean, I, mean we, I had a great time last night, or no, it would be Friday night at Slide Jam with the youth uh, from all over the region. 11 different churches came together uh, to go tobogganing uh, and to go hang out at Canada Baptist. And there's so much life in the community that Max was so excited about everything that he even ate a dog biscuit. Like, I mean, like, there is life, there is this excitement, there is courage. Max was talking about, when there's a dare, I just go for it. And it was fun, I did some youth pastor tricks. I, I was uh, having Max and a bunch of guys go into the car, and so I held this thing in my hand, I said, I have a cookie in my hand, whoever grabs it first gets shotgun. And I went like this, and Max went like this, boom, boom, and he ate it, and it was a milk bone. Uh, but that's a kind of courage... <laughs> and a kind of life that sometimes gets you into trouble, but a, but a level of excitement and joy that we're supposed to be experiencing as people, and, and we just don't always experience it. it. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 10, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What does that idea of abundant life mean to you? And now this is just space for a little bit of interaction. What does the abundance of the life of Jesus in the here and now? So imagining that the kingdom of heaven, our ultimate place, our ultimate goal, salvation, life eternal with God when he returns and sets the world right, but we would say that eternity actually begins today. What does the life of Jesus or the idea of abundant life mean to you in the here and in the now? Just throw out some thoughts. Being debt-free, amen. We think of those very, very practical things, right? Finances, all of that. Definitely a piece of the picture. Who else? What, what, what have we got? Peace. Having peace in, in the face of a world that is not entirely peaceful. Absolutely. So say that again? Restoration of relationships. Absolutely. 
Right. With, yeah. Okay, so a sense of freedom to follow God and to, is that what you're talking about, James? Yeah, absolutely. Jamie. Knowing God, right? Abundant life is just knowing God. Great thought. Any other? Simon. Births? Oh, purpose. <laughs> Births, yeah. <laughs> I've got to clean my ears out. Yeah. yeah, having purpose, right? Having a sense of direction. Jenny. Being able to choose joy. Being able to choose joy. Linda. Absolutely, the constant encouragement that the word gives, right? Um, and so, so there is something about all that. Like there is meant to be something different about our lives. But the reality is, and the, and the criticism of the church is that, that we actually as Christians live very much the same way as those who don't know Jesus, right? So it, I think it's just safe to say that there's more. How do we gain that abundant life and how do we gain an understanding of it? especially from the teaching of Jesus. Like, what was he trying to get us in touch with in terms of connecting with that abundant life? And what we see in the teaching of Jesus, and we're not going to cover all three of these today, but a biblical understanding of the abundant life of the kingdom of God might come from gaining a better understanding of where it is, of what it is, and how it's accessed. Where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of heaven? Like, do we understand really what that meant when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God? We have all kinds of different images that come to mind when we think of heaven, right? We have all kinds of different ideas of, uh, of what that might be like. What is that heavenly space? Your mind might go to streets of gold. Your mind might go to uh, something in the distant future, your mind might go to something high up. Your mind might go to whatever. But is, is that what Jesus was really teaching about? Was he really teaching about a place that is, is far away? And, and we're actually handicapped, I think, by our history in the church in this area in some way. I'm just going to show you a, a couple of paintings. This is a painting called The Last Judgment by a guy named Giorgio Vasari and Federico uh, Zuccaro. And they were people who painted actually... This is sort of a flattened out version of, of it or a photograph of a portion of it. But it's a, a piece of, of a painting that's actually uh, painted on the dome of a great cathedral in, in Europe. And what you see there when you see this idea of heaven, if you look uh, up in the corner and you see that sort of gold God zone up there and you see down here hell and you see some layers and levels in between, but in our imagining of what heaven is, we often imagine that it is uh, something that is separated from us by things, don't we? In our imagining of what heaven is, we, we imagine that there are layers, that there are things to penetrate, that there are things to get through, and we see that reflected in some of these beautiful paintings, and, and that thinking has really influenced us as people, and, and, and the power of those visual images impact us and, and affect the way we imagine that the way that God actually constructed the world. Here's just another example, and there's just tons of these. It's another last judgment, and you see uh, way down in the low, things are dark and dirty, and, and there's pain, and people are crashed out and, and hurting, and that, and that heaven is somehow this place that is way, way, way up there. And because of that, when we relate to God and when we worship him, we do have a tendency to pray up don't we? We just have a tendency to pray up. 
and 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 I'm not saying that that's a bad posture. I, I think that's I think that's okay. I'm not like criticizing the way the way we pray, but it, but it, but it, but it reflects our imagination that God is like way up there somewhere, and we hope that somehow peering down through the roof and through the clouds, that He will somehow be able to hear our prayers. Isn't that sort of how we imagine it? And, and it's like we just sort of wish that he, we would connect with him. We, we walk with a sense of distance. And those images in terms of, of that, I mean, they're just, they're just sort of played into by everything, it, it, even, even science fiction. Like, beam me up, Scotty. Like, this is, this is how we imagine our, our prayer life. <laughs> I got this my favorite Christmas present I had to show you. From my sister, like, like we sort of imagine that we need some sort of special device to be able to communicate with God. Dear Lord, we just pray that you'll touch uh, Holly today. Thanks, God. Amen. You know, like, like we kind of imagine that there's this, like he's up in the atmosphere somehow above. He's in space. I know God must be in space. That's where he was, but that's just not the biblical, not even in the Old Testament uh, image of where God is at. He's just not way out there in the way that biblical writers understood him to be, in the way the Hebrew mind understood him to be. So let's just blast through some stuff in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 21, 17 to 19, um, and this is the story of Hagar. God heard her, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven. Now that phrase for out of heaven is the same phrase that would have been used to say a, a bird flying in the air. There's a sense of it, uh, of heaven being in the atmosphere. We see the same thing. Genesis 22, 11 to 15, Abraham's sacrifice, and the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven, same language for out of the air, out of the atmosphere, out of the space around us. Same thing, Exodus 20, in the giving of the Ten Commandments, God spoke to Moses from heaven, out of the atmosphere, in the presence of the people. God spoke from among the presence of the people, in that space around where everybody was. First Samuel 7, God thundered from heaven. Again, he's talking about something really, really close upon the enemies of Israel. Uh, Genesis 15, Exodus 13, 1 Kings 18, 2 Kings 1, First uh, Chronicles 21 are all manifestations of the presence of God in a pillar of fire or in fire. Again, in the atmosphere, in something that is really close, in something that is near. That is the space in which God interacts with people. Uh, and the conclusion to be drawn by this, and we see it in Second Chronicles in response to a similar event like this, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. What you experience and what you feel and what you know about uh, the world and what's going on and who you encounter at work and what's happening at church on Sunday morning, the presence of the Lord is right there all the time. We see it in the New Testament. Uh, the disciples' observations of Jesus' interaction with God are a piece of where we get this. Uh, Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit alighting on him like a dove right? Again, from a place that's really close, the transfiguration of Jesus. Uh, we see it in Jesus' prayer life. Jesus prayed like no rabbis ever prayed. 
Like he prayed with an incredible intimacy, an incredible sense of the closeness of the Lord, an incredible sense of the nearness of God, and an incredible sense of familiarity that we just don't see in the written prayers of the times. Uh, it was not common for people to make up prayers, and Jesus just talked to God as, as though he was his father, as though he was right there. There's an intimacy uh, that's for us. Uh, New Testament encounters with God. Jesus, uh, when he, in the post-resurrection deal, Jesus on the beach, imagine how that affected just the way the disciples imagined God when they met Jesus after he had been crucified and then got to hang out with him on the beach. Imagine what that does to the way you imagine God wants to interact with humanity. Imagine how that just breaks that sense of distance and that sense of, of how far he is. Uh, on the road, they, he met with him. The ascension of Jesus into the air. And again, uh, I don't think that was like Jesus taking off like a spaceship. You know, like we imagine some sort of rocket propelled thing that he got on and went shooting off into the stars, right? But, but he, he, he went into the atmosphere. He went into that space that was all around everybody. And the New Testament encounters with God, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the upper room with a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. Literally the presence of God in that time and space disturbing the air, the physical atmosphere that was all around the disciples when they were together. Uh, the story of the conversion of Saul, the bright light that he met on the road, the whole deal. Now, one of the ways that we see sort of reflected our idea that God is far away, our idea that the kingdom is far away, is actually in the way we translate the scriptures. And I want to just read this to us from uh, the book of Acts. I'll, I'll just read it off the screen. Uh, the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 5 to 9. Just let me read this to us. Uh, and just note the parts that are underlined as I read. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. So this is the story of Peter. He's, he's visiting and he's, uh, he's praying, and uh, the Lord gives him a vision, and he describes that vision to Luke, presumably, or to somebody who described it to Luke, and then Luke wrote it down, and, and it was saved for thousands of years for us. Just a note, the Bible is absolutely amazing that we have these documents and these stories. Just a nod to the written word of God. Uh, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me, and when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. Note that underlined. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed, uh, no longer consider unholy. So this is an incredible uh, thing where God is speaking to Peter about um, interaction with the Gentiles and the churches for them. So that's what the context of that, uh, that passage is all about, salvation for the Gentiles. But note those underlined bits. Uh, verse 5, the blanket from the sky. The blanket coming down from the sky. Uh, the birds of the air, and then the voice from heaven. And all three of those translations in the original text, Tau Oranu, are the words that are there for those different translations. That one singular phrase 
is translated in three different ways in our English translation. Uh, a consistent translation of that phrase, uh, based on common usage of the language that we see in other extra-biblical texts, would have the blanket and the birds and the voice all coming from the air. All coming from the air. But in our minds, even even you know, 2,000 years later as we translate it, we can't seem to translate it in a way that we're saying, okay, the voice, the blanket came from, from the air, from the atmosphere. Uh, the birds fly through the atmosphere, this air around us. But, but the translators, for some reason, the voice had to come from heaven. A blanket could come from the air, from, the, from a place close around us. And, and a bird can fly through the air really close to us but heaven the, a voice that has to come from heaven <laughs> somewhere we imagine is much much further away and so uh, I think it's just so important like for us to understand the presence of God the kingdom is of heaven is much much nearer than our imaginations allow us to believe it's much nearer than we imagine the power of God is much nearer. We looked at this image uh, last week, the Horsehead Nebula, and we just sort of played out in our minds just the incredible vastness of space and the incredible power. Every little point of light on this thing is a star or a galaxy that is, is, is a nuclear engine that is just burning with phenomenal power and there are thousands and thousands of them this horse head is 3.5 light years large uh, according to our measurements and it's 1500 light years away it's so vast and so big and God is so powerful and so magnificent and the God that made all of that is right here he's right here He's right in front of you. He is present to you. He is not far away from you. He is not hiding from you. He is not frustrated with you and gone uh, to, to leave you alone in a corner. He did not give you or humanity a time out. He did not give you a time out. He is present to you in your brokenness. He is present to you in your triumphs. He is present to you to experience everything you've experienced. And so the challenge for us, the first challenge from Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God is to learn to really act as if we stand here and now and always in the presence of the majestic and holy and loving God who fills and overflows all space including the atmosphere around our bodies. We have to get in our heads that he is that close to us all the time. And then what that does for us is that impacts the way we pray. That impacts the sense of accountability we have to God. That impacts the, the sense of uh, our imagination of how he hears us. Uh, how he answers us and how available his power and his glory is to us. 
so many of us have amazing stories of the presence of God. Like amazing stories of the nearness and presence of God. And some of that, I mean, we felt even this morning in worship, right? If you're able to do that, uh, for the most part, I mean, we all have a tendency to look at the mechanical and be distracted by a bird flying by and, oh, the lights are bright and, oh, the lyrics didn't shift at the time they were supposed to shift and, and James is working on a new instrument and, and all of that kind of stuff. But if you look past all of that material, don't you just sense the presence of the power of God longing to touch you? Long touch. That's why we don't invest. I mean, we could do more in terms of, of excellence in everything that we do in church, but we just know that that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is the acknowledgement of the presence of the person of God. He is here. He is near you. Uh, you've all, or a lot of you have heard my story of growing up as just a little Baptist kid, uh, listening to hymns and listening to songs and imagining God uh, being the God of the Bible and the God of the hymn book and, and all of that and, and how radical it was for me when God came and spoke in my room. It, you could do this when you're not at church? You can actually communicate to me, not just through the words I read, but, but you can speak into my heart. And, and just the, the, so many experiences. Experiences in revival. And just a note on revival. Like, like there are times and there have been spaces in our world where the presence of, the God, of God has seemed like it's just dialed up, like crank it up to 10, and you walk in the room and the presence of God is so powerful that you want to fall over. Like you can barely stand. Some of you who've experienced uh, renewal or revival moments have experienced that sense of the presence of God being just so dialed up that you can hardly that you can hardly walk in the room. And we experienced that when we were pastors in Toronto. We saw in that atmosphere healings and miracles and things at a, at a rate that far exceeds what we're experiencing now. And so we cry out for, I daily pray for revival and I daily pray for the presence of God to come in the way that the presence of God filled the temple uh, in, in the Old Testament where the ministers, the priests could not even stand to fulfill their duties. The presence of the Lord came in like a cloud. Like we long for that. We long for that. But the absence of that intensity that we experience in revival movements does not in any way diminish the reality of the presence of God in the here and now. That same power that seems like it's amped up in moments of revival through history is still actually here and present right now and accessible to us. And that is the kingdom invitation. That is the invitation from God is to live as though he's here right now simply because he is. That is our worldview as Christians. That is how we see the universe. And that the purpose in teaching that, the purpose in emphasizing that to us constantly is that it should build our faith in terms of how we pray, in terms of what we ask for, in terms of what we dream for, in terms of how we let him touch us and heal us and transform us. He is just so interested in you. 
He is so near and he cares so much. Let's just stand. The first thing I want to pray for this morning is for, uh, there's some of us who just have not been in a place and some of us are just hungry for it, that you just really haven't felt the presence of God. That you, you want to sense his nearness. You want to know that he's near and maybe you just haven't experienced that sense of his nearness. And, and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just reveal himself in that way. And again, we, we want to tackle this in a couple of ways, like logically, cognitively, intellectually, we believe he's here, but don't you just want to experience him? To have a sense of that. Now, now again, the importance of believing the truth of the reality of, uh, of his nearness is, is, is really key. That, that's faith. That's awesome. But to let it be a part of your experience. He just simply longs to touch you. He simply longs to touch you. So maybe it helps you to adjust your posture or something and to maybe just open your hands to, to just receive him. Uh, that's just maybe helps break down that thing in our imagination. If you're thinking of looking up like this, maybe resist because <laughs> he's really near you. And just begin to say in your heart, if with your mouth if you want, Lord Jesus, just draw near to me. Just like Jake prayed, like Jake's little word before the announcements was so good. Jesus, draw near to me. What some of you will experience, uh, some of you might experience some of the the things that we've experienced in revival. Some of you might experience uh, even a sense of tingling in your hands or... Or, or different things. But just be open to experience whatever God has for you. Some of you will feel a sense of closeness like that uh, quietness that you feel when you're, you, you know when you go underwater at the lake and everything just feels close and still? Some of you might experience that. It, it could be different things. But I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and encounter your people. Come and empower your people. Come and encounter them, Jesus. Would you just show them how close you are? How intimate they can be with you? How interested you are in them? And how deep your love is? Would you teach us that there's no great gyrations or effort or transcendence that's required for us to reach up and touch you, but just to take a moment and be silent. Let your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. you father
you touch our hearts? Pour out your love. make an invitation for one how many of you are experiencing a sense of the presence of God that you've not really experienced before just just raise your hands if you're just experiencing something don't be shy you guys come on so now Lord I just ask and, and some of us are so familiar with this and so comfortable uh, with your voice um, but some of us just have longed to hear you speak would you just whisper something sweet to those who have longed to hear you in this space and the Lord will drop something in your in your heart it will be a thought or a scripture or a lyric from a song it's just a treasure for you <clears throat> so to those who have longed to feel you who have longed to hear you speak Lord would you just uh, give something special and to those who have experienced it so many times before would you just give them something more If there's anyone here this morning who's feeling disqualified because of sin or brokenness, we, we bring to mind the cross, that in that uh, gift that you gave of your life on the cross, you paid for everything. That there is nothing that separates us from you. If we receive the gift of salvation, if we receive uh, the gift that you paid the penalty for our sins, that that's paid and there is nothing that separates a child of God from you. <coughs> Bev, do you have something to say? Okay, sure. Why don't you take this mic, Beth? I had a picture um, this past week of me in a circle of stones in a big meadow. And that is my wall that I built around me. The wall is pitiful in that it's like two stones high and has big gaps with no stones at all. But for some reason, I think I'm safe and protected in there, and I'm afraid to go out. When 
really it can't protect me from anything. And I'm worried that I might be hurt if I go out, but I know that I am hurt by staying in. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord comes and Jesus takes this hand and the Holy Spirit takes this hand and I'm like a little child between them and they lead me out. Thank you, Lord. So just an encouragement, I think, from Bev to just let your defenses come down. I'm just going to give it a few more minutes. It, it's The presence of God is near. Just come, Holy Spirit, and just touch. I just got this really strong sense of the Holy Spirit falling on me and saying that the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is not something we're calling down. It's something we have to let out. He's like caged up inside of us, just desperate to get out and take over the world this rightfully is. And I feel like as the church, we actually have caged the Holy Spirit so often. When he's saying, I want to get out and move in your workplace, I want to get out and do these things. And we say, no, I want my security and my safety I don't want you to come out. So it's not something we're calling down. It's something we're letting out. He's in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Desperate to get out. Amen. Thanks. Awesome. I totally want to affirm what Jamie just shared. Uh, that was so right. Um, something very practical suggests to people that have to commute uh, I don't commute a lot anymore, but uh, when I did, uh, the commuting time, we get so busy, our minds are all over the place about what we got to do today and the agenda and the schedule and the meetings and whatever else. That time in the car is a place where, as, as Aaron's been pointing out, you can meet God right there because he's, he is there. And like Jamie said, you just let it, happen to you and it may not be all wonderful fuzzy wuzzy warm stuff all the time but that's a time you have that you can be I don't know if you commute with somebody but if you're on your own or if you're sitting in a bus you can be in God's presence and choose to be in God's presence because he's already there mm -hmm. and uh, you can have some amazing times with him it's not all the time but when I was doing that, I had some absolutely amazingly wonderful times, and I'm not any more special or holy than anybody else. You can all do that. Thanks, Vince. Okay, I, I made a promise to God to step into freedom, and he's given me, and I really sense that Everybody needs to know that God is waiting for you the whole day. He's waiting for you for that moment that you bow your knees, that you meet him, that you call out to him. And he's never given up on you. He didn't give up on your situation, your problem, your illness. Don't just be bold to expect his presence, to expect his miracle in your life. The miracle you need, just open up your arms and open up your heart, just Wait for him like he will do a miracle Amen. in your life. He didn't give 
up on your situation, your sickness. No sickness is too worse or too bad. It's God can do it. He can heal. He can do it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Inga. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we just receive all of these things in your name. We receive this sense of your nearness. And, and like Jamie prayed, that you are busting for us to call on your power and to just let your kingdom interact and advance wherever we go, that you are so near, so anxious, so uh, desirous of us to just call on your name wherever we are. As Inga prayed, to call on you uh, and let you be near. Uh, to, As Vince said, in the car, wherever you are so close, let us live lives as though you are really, really here. And set us free. Set us free to advance the kingdom all around us in new ways. We pray all this in your mighty and holy and awesome name. Amen. <laughs>